right. Well, uh, I'm the younger brother, even though I look older, I'm sure, <laughs> and wiser, and, and better looking. But uh, before, and, and a great degree of humility, I have. Um, the reason I, uh, when my brother came and said, you know, you want to help help out with this, and I said, yeah, you know, what the heck. Uh, I've never done something like this, and I thought I'd give it a shot. And he said, you know, I want to focus on forgiveness, love, um, uh, things like that. And so uh, he said, you know, I have these two talks. And I thought, well, you know, I kind of, there's, there's a spot in my heart that gets really mad at Jesus. <laughs> Bet you never thought you'd hear that from a priest. <clears throat> but when he says that we are to love our enemies, um, those that have betrayed you, those that have wronged you in serious ways, um, that we, we struggle with that. We say, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, why? Do, they don't deserve it. <laughs> Is the first, they don't deserve my love. Right? And Jesus, at the same point, I'm going to reiterate just a couple things that my brother said. Um, but we didn't deserve it. That's the point. We, you guys, none of us, everyone in this room, deserves hell. That's a, that's a scary thing to think about. Not one of us in here deserves heaven. Not one of us, but it's been freely given. And that's why, why I want to talk on this is because Jesus sets this as the standard. It's the standard. He says, as you judge, so you will be judged. As you have been, as you have forgiven, so I will forgive you. So if you don't forgive, if you don't judge, or if you, if you judge, if you don't forgive, God is going to treat you in the exact same way. The whole Christian life, all of salvation is based off of this. we got to get this right. And the two things I want to touch on are, we are created for love, and that you can't love properly unless you are forgiven. You know, there's a great parable in which, you know, the, 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 the woman, she is, she's a, a very bad woman, apparently a prostitute, something like that. She comes into this room and starts weeping, right, on Jesus' feet, washes his feet with her tears and dries his feet with her hair, begging for mercy. And the Pharisee who's sitting there, Simon, he says in his head, he says, if Jesus was God, he would know that this is a bad woman. You know, and if I was Jesus, which I'm not, and it's a good thing. <clears throat> but if I had the ability to read thoughts, I'd say, Simon, how do you know she's a bad woman? Hmm? You know her very well, don't you, buddy? But he doesn't. He says this. He says, Simon, let me ask you a question. If somebody owed a huge debt and somebody owed a little debt, and the person that was owed to forgave both those debts... Who would, be in greater, who would have greater gratitude? And, Jesus, and Simon says, well, I suppose the one that owed more. And Jesus says, yeah, she has sinned much. Therefore, when she knows she's forgiven, she can love much. And I think that's a very proper message to bring to all of you guys. Once you know you're forgiven, once you know what God did for you, once you clearly understand that, as my brother said, you're free. You're freed from the debt. The debt's paid. And now you can go about loving. And you can go and do what's been done to you by the Son of God to others. 
There are two people, before I get into the scripture passage of the love of enemies, there are two people. <clears throat> one, you don't know, and one you might. I don't know, have you ever heard of Immaculate Ilibagiza? It's a heck of a name. <clears throat> she was in the Rwandan genocide. She watched, she watched her family get hacked to pieces by machetes as she sat in a little tiny bathroom with two other girls. She was a little girl. She watched this happen, then she hid. And they came and they were searching and searching and searching. She just prayed and prayed and prayed. She said it was the first time she ever really prayed. Now, I think a lot of times we mess around with prayer. But when you know guys are outside with machetes and they're going to rape and cut you to pieces, you, you pray in a different way. And so she's sitting there and she prays and prays. And for some reason, they didn't check the bathroom. They just left. And she said, it took her a long time, but she forgave those guys that did that to her family. There was another guy. I never caught his name. I went on a tour of Auschwitz over in Poland. And uh, it's an incredible place. For the very fact that you just see the, how far we can go as humans. How much evil, evil we are capable of. But when I was there, I was, I was on this tour, and this guy was on it. And he was, he was really old. And he was very, very distraught throughout the whole thing. I just, everybody was, you know, on the tour, we didn't want to make a big deal out of it, but we're like, what's up with this guy? He must, he must have lost somebody at Auschwitz. <clears throat> well, at the end of the tour, the guy came up and he said, because we, we got to this one, we got to this one picture and he said, you know, this is, you know, they were showing the little kids, you know, that had radiation treatment and that doctor, whatever is, what's his name? Yeah, the guy that did all the just, just horrible stuff. And this guy was sitting there, and he was just staring, just looking. You could just see tears running down his eyes. And the, the, the tour guide said, this is an evil man. You should hate him. You should hate him. You should hate all the Nazis that were here and the atrocities that they did. Went on with the tour. At the end of the tour, we got down to it. <clears throat> and uh, he said, do you have any questions or comments? And this old guy raised his hand. Everybody's like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, we, we were all waiting. We had no idea. And he's like, he's like, I have a statement. And he said, what's that? He said, don't you ever say to hate. Because I know what hate is. And he unbuttoned his sleeve. And he pulled it up. He was a kid. He was in Auschwitz. He said, I know what hate is. And hate will never change this world. We have to learn how to love and I had to come here to forgive these guys. I'm telling you, there wasn't a dry eye in that. <laughs> we were all standing there just freaking bawling. What a, what, a, what a witness. What a witness. And he said, now, now I'm free. Now I'm free. So that's what I want to bring to you guys today. Uh, there's, there's just beautiful wisdom in the scriptures, but I just want to read this to you. Uh, and we'll, So we'll kind of start with a little scripture and a little prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. But I say this to you who are listening to me. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who treat you badly. To anyone who slaps you on the cheek, present the other cheek as well. To anyone who takes your cloak from you, do not refuse him your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And do not ask for your property back from someone who takes it. Treat others as you would like to people to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit can you expect? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit can you expect? For even sinners do that much. 
And if you lend to those from whom you hope to get money back, what credit can you expect? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Instead, love your enemies and do good to them. And lend without any hope of return. And you will have great reward. And you will be children of the Most High God. Heavenly Father, as we come today to speak about the love of enemies and the forgiveness of those who have hurt us or those that we have hurt, we ask that you might give us great courage, that we might enter into this forgiveness so that we can properly love, for we are made to love and to be loved. May this be a time of freeing from those things that weigh us down. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. How do we make sense of that scripture passage? I mean, how do you make sense of that? I think there are two things. Because Jesus is saying, don't, don't just be indifferent to him. Don't just, you know, walk past them and, and not get mad at them. Love them. Love them. The first thing we have to point out is what my brother already said. Love is not a feeling. Love is an act of the will. Love is a choice. I had a kid, I, I teach high school, I taught high school for six years, and I got done teaching on this idea of act, that love is an act of the will, and he said, Father, you know, I think I could really love any woman. Like, I don't have to find the perfect woman. If love is a choice, then I could love any woman. And I said, that's true, isn't that freeing? He's like, hell yeah, that's freeing. I don't, I'm free because I don't have to worry about finding my soulmate. I just got to find somebody that I truly want to love. That's it. Love is a choice. And that's what Immaculate Illibagiza said. She said, you cannot force me to hate you. It's the one thing that nobody can do to any one of us in this room. They can, they can take away our food. They can take away our, our children, our lives, our families, our money. It's what... The, it's what Yo, Victor Frankl, I don't know if you ever heard of Man's Search for Meaning, he, he talks about the concentration camps. He said the one thing the Nazis couldn't take away, the one of the things they couldn't force us to do was to hate them. You know, in the early Christianity, the one thing that drove the emperors absolutely nuts is that the Christians would pray for them as they were dying. They would cover them in tar, Nero, this is documented, covered them in tar and lit them on fire to light his dinner gatherings at night in the palace gardens, burning human beings. And every morning he would get up and he would go down, this is, and he would see they had a smile on their face when they died. And he would get so mad. Because what, when I hurt you, what am I expecting you to do? You could answer, say, I'm, I just got out, of, he's a year out, I just got out, so I'm used to the kind of classroom setting. So if I hurt you, what do I expect you're going to do to me? Retaliate. retaliate. And then once you retaliate to me, then what? I'm going to get you back. And then you're going to be bad. Yeah, twice as bad, exactly. So you scratch my car, I put a baseball bat through your car. You dump sugar in my car gas tank, I just blow yours up. So it just, evil perpetuates evil. Hatred breeds hatred. There has to be a point, and I think the most frustrating thing for the devil is forgiveness. 
he has a line, it's like a fuse, it's this long fuse. Because that's hatred beats hatred. So as long as you light it, it's gonna keep going, 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 boom, it blows up, right? But forget, what forgiveness does is it cuts the fuse. So it stops. You know how mad I would be if I was the devil? I had everything set up, and then some idiot came and cut my fuse. There's a little, there's a break, and who did it? You know, like. So it, 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 it throws the whole situation off kilter. You're, I'm not expecting it. So if I hurt you and you love me, that's not saying like you buy me a case of beer. You know, I mean, it just means that you don't retaliate. And you say, you know what? You hurt me, but I forgive you. And what that means is, it doesn't mean that like, you, as my brother said, it doesn't mean you're best buddies. All it means is, is that you will their good. So if you hurt me, it, forgiveness looks like this. Not that you and I are best friends. What it looks like is I say, gosh, I hope one day he comes to a conversion. I hope one day he comes to a deep love and understanding of what God wants of him in his life. Doesn't mean you forget it. Doesn't mean you'd say it was a good thing. It was bad and you remember it, but you're free now. And when you're free of that, you're free to love. You are free to love. Okay? So the, the, the first thing is, is that we have to remember we are, we are made to love. And the only way we're going to be able to love properly is if we are rid of hatred. We cannot love properly unless we are rid of hatred. Okay? The second thing is this. Okay? We are made to love and to be loved. Um, and vengeance, vengeance is what imprisons us. What's really interesting, have you ever noticed this? So like if somebody does something really, so somebody does something really bad to you, you end up suffering. Right? So the enemy, now you're mad at that person because they did it to you. And yet, in, in justice, they should be the one suffering, but I am. I'm dying because of something you did to me. Why? Because I can't let you go. I can't let it go. And so this idea of love of enemies or forgiveness of enemies is a difficult concept, but it's doable. And I want to give you four reasons why you should love your enemies and why we should be grateful that Jesus gave us this idea of the love of enemies, the forgiveness of enemies. The first one is this, okay? We love and forgive our enemies because it is the best way to test the quality of real love. Jesus himself said, this isn't anything, I'm not coming up with rocket science here, man. I'm just taking what he told me and, and, and maybe put it in, in some, like explain it just a little bit better. But if I love, he says this, he says, if you love your friends, what credit is that? Even sinners do that. Right? If, if, you, if you give food to those who are rich and they're down their luck for a little bit, what credit is that? They're going to give it back to you. You want authentic love. You want, you want a test of what real love is? Love your enemy. Pray for them. Then you'll know you're authentically loving and you're on the correct path. Because it's easy to love those who love us, right? In fact, sometimes that's even, it's even hard to do that. You know, who do we take for granted the most? Our family members, usually. <laughs> that's the ones, you know, we're most frustrated with our family members. The ones that love us and care about us the most. That's why when I read this, I'm like, good Lord, he wants me to love my enemies? I can't even love my mom at times. My dad, my brother. <laughs> We're on good terms now, but you know. <laughs> so this, the, the, this idea that you get a pure quality of love. A pure quality of love. And it's not easy. It's not easy, trust me. But in that, 
it radiates to the world what love really is. I want to give you an example, a story of what this was. Uh, Justin and I were in Jerusalem. We went over there and uh, visited to just see the holy sites and stuff. And Bethlehem was kind of still, it's a mess, you know, between Palestine and Israel and all this stuff that's going on. And uh, there were bombings and all this. And, but they snuck us in. <laughs> they took us in this taxi cab. It was great with these, these little nuns. And uh, we kind of went in behind enemy lines. And as we were going in, there was a guy, and his name was Hadar. He was the taxi driver. And he dropped off the nuns, and then he was taking us to the, birth, the, the birthplace, you know, in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. There's a church there. And as we were going, we got talking to him, and we said, you know, what is, what is you know, what's your story? Because he's a Christian. And, and in Israel, like 2% of the population is Christian, right? You would think where Jesus walked, it would all be Catholic, like it all be Christian. It's not. Okay, 2%, and he's one of 2%. And we said to him, you know what, do you have a family? He's like, I did. <clears throat> he's like, you did? You know, you know, we're an American. Divorce? <laughs> he's like, uh, they were next to a target. And when that target was bombed, that building fell on my house and killed my wife and three kids. You know, you want to talk about an awkward moment. <clears throat> you know, just sitting there and, all of a sudden, Justin says, gosh, you must hate those guys. And, you know, I, that's all that was going on in my heart, too. You must hate those guys. And he literally, like, slammed on the brakes and turned back and looked at us and he said, don't you ever say that. He said, unless somebody loves here, this situation we're in will never change. You want, <laughs> I'm sitting there. We're in the middle of war-torn Palestine. And there's this little Christian taxi driver who is a beacon of what it means to forgive enemies. You guys, it's, and that's, that's huge. That's huge stuff. I'm not taught. It doesn't have to be that big. You know? And maybe, maybe you're not the one that has been affected. Maybe you're not the one that has had the thing of committed. Maybe you've committed it against somebody. Maybe you need their forgiveness. Maybe they're just waiting for you to love them. We forget that so often we think about our own stuff. What about those that we've offended? To be able to sit down, this is, this is minor, but I, I, I dated a lot of girls. I know that's hard to believe, as good looking as I am, but I dated a lot of girls. <clears throat> and I was, not a good, I was not a good boyfriend. I was, hor I was, I was arrogant. I was selfish. I was a horrible, horrible boyfriend. And I just took advantage of women. And when I finally had my conversion, I was like, oh my gosh, look what I've done. I'm telling you, you guys, every time I ran into any one of them, I pulled them aside and I said, for whatever this is worth, I want you to know how sorry I am for how I treated you. And, and that you, you deserve so much better than that. And you have a right to hate me, and that's okay. But I want you to know that I'm sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. I am not kidding you. Everyone I told broke down. Every one of those girls said, no guy has ever said that to me. And I'm not saying like, woohoo, go for the walls. You know, you're the man. Look at how holy you are. <laughs> what I'm saying is, half the reason forgiveness, healing, love never happens is because nobody ever asked for it. They sit back and say, well, he, he owes me. Oh, she owes me. Well, I'm not going to do anything until they do it to me. Instead of if we did what Jesus told us to do, you know how much more freedom there would be? Somebody that you've hurt, write them a letter. You can write letters. You know, I'm sorry. I just want you to know I'm sorry. 
No, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you have to forgive me. I'm not saying, I just want you to know that I wish I never would have done what I did. And I love you and I care about you and I've, I've learned now. And thank God and I'm grateful that I'm here because it's taught me something. Because you guys, the reality of it is, we can get up here, my brother and I can get up here and we can preach Jesus and love and peace and forgiveness all day long and you can walk out of here and be the same person you were when you walked in. All of this, all of this that we're telling you today hinges on choice. There's a choice made in every one of our lives. Thousands, millions of choices. What choices are you going to make when you walk out? Are you going to choose to go to confession? Or are you going to choose to hold it in? Because everyone in this room right now, I guarantee, has been hurt. Everyone right now is in need of forgiveness. Everyone is broken. So that's the first, the first one. The second reason I want to give you is the second reason to love and forgive your enemies is that they, this, this is a hard one to accept. They reveal you to yourself. Your enemies reveal you to yourself. What do I mean by that? It's an old cliche. It kind of goes up and down the centuries that whatever you dislike in other people, you yourself struggle with. So I'll give you an example. Right? I'm at a party. And there's some guy, and he's joking, laughing, making all that. People are gathered around him. They're, this is, they're laughing like, this guy's the man. What do I do? I sit back and I say, what? What an arrogant jerk. He just has to be seen. Why don't I like him? Because I want to be there. He's revealing me to myself. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case, but this can certainly help you. They your enemy can actually perform a great spiritual service to you. The one you hate can actually show you what you really struggle with. It's really incredible to think about. Okay? All right. Uh, third. <clears throat> the third reason to love and forgive your enemies is you might win them back. You might win them back. You know, you might, you might be enemies of somebody, but you might win them back. If someone is your enemy and you hate them, you've been cruel to them, you oppose them, you badmouth them, at the limit, you may even try to kill them. You know, a true enemy is somebody, you know, I want to get this clear in our heads. A clear enemy, a true enemy is somebody that if we could and nobody would ever find out about it, and we'd never get in trouble about, for it, we would seriously hurt. They betrayed us. Right? They betrayed us. Do you guys remember, you know what I'm saying, the reason why we want to try to win them back is we want to stop that fuse. Have any of you seen, I can't remember, it's uh, the, not The Dark Knight Rises, it's Batman. Uh, I think it's The Dark Knight when he's with Joker. Have you seen that movie with Joker? Anyway, there's this scene in there where Batman is beating the living crap out of Joker. I mean, he's throwing him up against the wall, and then he throws him onto the table, and he's punching him and whips him across the room, kicks him. And the whole time, Joker, who really is kind of the epitome of what evil is. <laughs> that guy's a, that's a dark dude. What's he doing during the whole scene? He's laughing. Because it's exactly what he wants. Take your anger out on me. Because the more anger you take out on me, the more anger fills you. And the, you're just like me now. Instead, and that's why, do you ever wonder why it's Batman, Batman and Joker, Batman the Dark Knight, Batman the Dark Knight Rises? Because his method doesn't work. <laughs> his method doesn't work. Fighting, 
Fighting, fighting with fighting doesn't work. I just made that up. <laughs> so we want to win them over. And like you, you cut that fuse. This is Gandhi saw it in India. He saw you didn't have to use, you didn't have to use, you know, power and manipulation to you just had to love. Martin Luther King saw it in America. John Paul II saw it in Poland and Russia. Single-handedly almost took down communism just by loving. Because he went into the people of Poland and he said, the one thing the communists cannot take from you is what I said earlier, they can't make you hate them. You're free to love them. You're free to love them. And that was the beginning of the end for communist Russia. I have a friend in Montana. His name is Father Mark Lindemann. He practices a martial art called Aikido. It's a form of jujitsu, I think. <clears throat> we have a game at the seminary. That's called the Spaghetti Bowl. And uh, what it is, it's the freshman class, the new man class, the seminarians, which is about 50 guys, versus the rest of the seminary in a football game. So it's set up to, you know, humiliate us and make us lose. <clears throat> and while I was there, uh, it was my second year, so I was on the old man team, the winning team. And there was this new guy, this new man, and he was a monster. And he was a football player. Now this, you got to remember, this is, this is a seminary, so it's 170 celibate men. And you put them into a football game and say, no tackling. Come on. We have flags on. Like, it's like, bam! You know, and the guy comes, I got the tag! I got, I got the flag! You know, the guy's like bleeding on the ground. <clears throat> and they have full contact lines. So the lines are, I mean, they're really blocking. They're really throwing down. No pads. Just these stupid flags. So Father Mark is, I don't know. He's a, maybe he's tall, a little bit taller. He's maybe like six foot. And he weighs maybe 130 pounds. He's just skin and bones. He played uh, basketball for Gonzaga University. He's a phenomenal athlete, but just not a lot to him. That's why he never made the final cuts, because he just wasn't big enough. But you leave him in the three-point line, he'll sink it every time. You try to guard him, he'll drive. It's, he's just an amazing basketball player. So he, but he was playing for the football team as well. And he was on the line. I don't know how that happened. I don't know why they put him on the line. Right? And so there's this big dude, and they're lined up against each other. You know, like, Mark's looking at me, and I'm like, good luck, man. <laughs> <You know? clears throat> and he, this guy comes and just, I mean, just drills him into the ground. And everybody's like, wow. You know, like, if, if the lay faithful were watching us right now, they wouldn't be impressed with our seminary. You know, like, this guy was trying to kill him, it looked like. And, like, Mark gets up, and he's like, really? Dude, really? I mean, this is just a, it's a football game. He's like, I came to play football. And he goes, but I'm like, okay, you know. So, back up to the line again, you know, he's like, all right. You know, he's like, hot, bam, just takes him down again. To the point where we're all like, this is, this is bad, you know, like. And Mark gets up, and he's like, if you do that one more time, I'm going to hurt you. And yeah, that's what everybody's like. <laughs> They're like, this is going to be great. Whatever's going to happen here is going to be very, very great. And so he comes up again, sure enough, bam, just takes him down on the ground. He's like, I told you, man. And he's like, what are you going to do? He's like, you'll see. And so the, the next one, he backed up and he's like, why don't you get a good run on me this time? See if you can take me down. And he's like, you got it, man. And so he, he, he likes the ball. And I'm not kidding you. I don't know how he did it. It was just amazing to watch because this guy came at top speed and Mark just like, he sidesteps and he's like, like that. And this guy just, and just, bam, lands on his back. And everybody's like, it was great. It was great to watch because it was beautiful because what is he, what is he not doing? He's not hurting him. He's not hurting him. That's this Aikido. That's what it's, what it's formed for. It just throws the aggressor off balance. So this guy like lands, he's like, oh, he's like, son. 
gets up, takes off right now, I'm like gonna Superman punch him. Yeah, this is at a seminary. <laughs> He's like this. And right as he comes, he just grabs his fist, boom, like that, and he just flies. And literally, like, for a good minute, we're all standing just like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so finally the guy's just laying on the ground in tears. You know how you get so mad you're crying? He's just, like, shaking in red, and Mark's like, are we done now? And the guy's laying there, and he walks over, and he's like, puts his hand out, and he pulls him up. The guy's like, how'd you do that? But the point of that is, that's what love does. <clears throat> that's what love does. The guy's not hurt. At the end of that whole thing, he's not hurt. He's incredibly frustrated. And he's been thrown off balance numerous times. But he's not hurt. That's what we have to remember, you guys. We have to remember that in the midst of, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, to love throws the aggressor off balance. They don't know what to do with it. Like I said earlier, if you're not going to retaliate against me, I don't know what to do. Why won't you retaliate? Why won't you? You know, like, I get mad at you. But then I'm free. So that's the third reason. The fourth reason and the final reason is that we forgive and love our enemies because Jesus did it for us. That's the main reason. We do it because he did it and he told us to do it. Not because it feels good. Not because we want to. Because we've been told to. And out of that, Jesus, you know, they call him the divine physician. I like to call him the divine psychologist. He knew. When you hate somebody, it freaking burns. It takes up every bit of who you are. And in order to be free of that, you've got to forgive. But you can't unless you know what he has done for you. Until you know that, you can't forgive properly. You know, Jesus was the most real man to ever exist. Whenever you want to talk about being a man, it has nothing to do with trucks. It has nothing to do with how much beer you can drink. It has nothing to do with how many girls you've been with. It has nothing to What it has to do with is how much you're like him. He was the most manly man to ever live. And I think sometimes we can get the stupid idea in our heads that to forgive is not manly. Men don't forgive. Men beat the hell out of each other. That's what we do. That's a manly... Th no, it's not. Any man can do that. Any man can fight. But can you forgive? Can you love properly? Can you let go? That takes a true man. And I'll give you an example of it. I know a guy. And his daughter was sexually abused by his co-worker. And he called me and he said, Father... If there was no law, I would take my gun and I would shoot that man dead. Right now. And I said, what's that going to do? Is that going to undo what happened? Is that going to make your daughter proud of her dad? Is it going to free you from the anger that's inside of you? What's it going to do? To be a real man means to be able to freely love and to forgive. You want, you want to talk about a manly statement? Jesus Christ getting nails punched through his hands. And he says, forgive him. <laughs> Is that a man? I mean, that's a, what a weakling. Right, put, put nails in me, I'd say it any day. You know, me, I'd be like, you sons of, I don't know how man I said, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't do anything. He doesn't do that. 
That's because I'm I'm uh, kind of a weenie. I'm not. I'm working on being a man, but I'm not quite there yet. But he can sit there as he's dying, as they're killing him, and he can say, he not only does he say forgive him, he makes excuses. Forgive him? Why? Because I don't know what they're doing. By the way, this should this should give us great hope, gentlemen. When Jesus Christ says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they're doing. He is not saying, forgive them because they don't know I'm God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Father, forgive them because they have no idea how screwed up they are right now. And if they were in their right minds, they would never do this. And that's why we forgive our enemies. Because those that have hurt you, those that have wronged you, if they were in their right mind, they never would have done it. They did it out of some stupid, disordered, twisted, dumb idea that got into their heads. We were just in Washington, D.C. There was this guy, he stepped onto the, tr onto the subway. And he said, look, I, I, I'm not going to lie. You know, he's like, I just got out of jail two days ago. I need, I, I'm hungry. I need some food. And my brother said, what would you do? He said, I, I stole. I stole something worth quite a bit, you know. And he's like, and I just remember as I was stealing it and I'm running away, he's like, what am I doing? What, what did I just, what am I, this isn't me, what am I doing? But that's how the devil works. And then we live out of that instead of letting it go. See, so guys, we are all disordered. We are all screwed up. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. G.K. GK Chesterton said, we're all in a big boat and we're all seasick together. We're all in this together. But don't ever, but always remember when somebody commits a sin against you, when somebody harms you, when you get an enemy, they didn't do it because they hated you. They did it because they're so screwed up. Because they were so, they actually thought what they were doing was good. And if they knew the truth of it, they never would have done it, ever. My friends, the greatest sinner that you know is yourself. Because it's the only sinner that you know. You don't know me. You don't know what's going on inside of me. The only one you know that's going on inside of what you're thinking, what you're doing, why you do it is yourself. And therefore, you are also the greatest enemy to the living God. But here is what is so amazing. Here is what the good news of what we hopefully can bring to you today. That, they, that Jesus Christ, in some reason, not only did he, did he pay your debt, but he says he loves you. You're his friend. we got to start realizing what he's done. And so my encouragement for you today is, I want you at any time, if you can get one, or if you can get a picture of it, or of a crucifix, and to look at that and sit back and say, this was for me, not for the world, for me. He did it for you, for me. And he was not guilty of anything. And when you look at that, and if you can understand the cross and what was coming out of that at that time, you will see that any sort of problem you have, any sort of enemy you have, any sort of sin or wrongdoing that's been committed against you or others is pretty trivial in comparison to the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's when you'll be able to freely love. So you guys, look at the cross. Meditate on the cross. Think about the cross. It's right here. You know how incredible that is? It's right here. The blood that was spilled for your salvation is right here. What choice will you make coming out of here? Will you forgive others? Will you forgive yourself?
Will you beg forgiveness from your enemies? Will you pray for those that have hurt you? Because, gentlemen, that is the road to freedom. The other way is a road to slavery. It's a road to slavery. And you will never, ever find true happiness there. I promise you that. So forgiveness isn't a matter of clenching my fists and mustering the strength to say, I'm, I, don't want, I don't want to hurt them. It's a matter of looking at the cross and letting all of that that is there flow through you into others. You do that, you do that, and I promise you, you will be a saint. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for this time. We ask that you convict these men here present with you of their need to ask forgiveness and to, and to give forgiveness. That every time they pray that great prayer that you taught us, may they remember that we are only forgiven when we ourselves forgive. Help them to know the power of your crucifixion, the power of your death and resurrection. And out of that, make them into true men, men who are willing to love, to forgive, and to lay down their lives. Our Father, who art in heaven, be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just ask you to take a few minutes, uh, maybe three or four minutes, maybe a little song. And I want you to write down somebody you need to forgive or somebody that you need to ask forgiveness from. And ask, and as you have that written down today during the Mass, when we have Mass, I want you to bring that person's name towards the altar when you receive. Lay it down on the altar. And ask for the courage and the strength to be able to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>